Warrior Woman, welcome back to the Warrior School podcast. This is episode 194. 194. Uh, There's a lot of construction going on across the road. Uh, Hopefully you can't hear it. Uh, (laughs) But we are moving ahead with this podcast episode because we're on a sprint and that's what we got to do. I'm here on my chair. I've got multiple cups of liquid in front of me. I have uh, an adrenal cocktail, my second coffee. I've got water and I just had a protein shake. I just got back from Walking Hank. It is a delicious morning here in Vancouver. We've had rain and grayness for the last week and a half, but the sun, she's coming and very timely of her because it was solstice yesterday here in the north. So happy belated solstice. Um, I really love this time of year. The longest day of the year was yesterday, (laughs) Uh, which means many more sunny days to come. Uh, Also means that our days are getting shorter (laughs) as we crawl our way to September, October, November, back to winter. Go so quickly here. It's, um, It's crazy. All right, so today we are doing part three of our little mini series that we have been talking about. Uh, We have been talking about how hormones affect our training. So part one, we spoke about the menstrual cycle years. Part two, we spoke about pregnancy and postpartum. And then part three, we're going to speak about menopause. Now, I'm actually not going to spend too much time on this podcast episode. I've done two podcasts with Dr. Stacey Sims, so episodes 100 and 180. And I've recently uh, done a podcast on how to train in your 40s, 50s and beyond And I'm just about to finish a series on how to approach your training. So I have part five to do and put that up on the gram. But you'll find all of those podcast episodes uh, in the library. So episode 186, 185, 184, 182, 180 and episode 100. So we're just going to get straight in, straight into the meat of it. So around our mid-40s, the ovaries start to run out of viable follicles, which throws off the production of our hormones, so of estrogen and progesterone, and begins this transition, so this menopausal transition. So progesterone is what drops first. She's like, I'm out of here later, uh, and... Without it to serve as a counterbalance uh, to estrogen, estrogen begins to fluctuate, sometimes wildly. So it can feel like a little bit of a roller coaster ride. 
So progesterone and estrogen have this beautiful dance and they work together really well. And as we get to this phase uh, of our life and we start to go through perimenopause, this dance becomes a little wacky, a little chaotic. Uh, And so these changes, these hormonal changes kind of look like, um, you know, uh, when a child draws and they're scribbling and it's they do these lines up and down or around on the piece of paper that's what perimenopause kind of looks like and I'm sure that's what it feels like for a lot of women is this toddler's drawing of (laughs) these scribbles and lines all over this piece of paper Uh, and then there's this steep drop off rather than like a nice regular rise and fall So when there are no more viable follicles left, ovulation stops. And as we spoke about in uh, the previous podcast episode on the menstrual cycle years, ovulation powers the cycle. And so without ovulation, there is no more regular uh, production of hormones. Yes, we still can make some estrogen in some of our other tissues. So we can still make it in our fat tissue, our skin, our kidneys, and our brain. Uh, They do continue to produce it. But what normally happens is that the hormone mostly acts locally at those tissues. So we have this uh, massive shift in our hormones where progesterone goes on this massive decline she's out of here she's walked off the stage uh you know estrogen's still on the stage but she is gone a little wacky there's highs and lows uh lots of scribbles uh lots of chaos can happen so menopause is defined as a full year without menstruation So which on average, if you look at the research, is around 51. It can happen a lot earlier for some women and it can happen a little later for other women. But the journey to menopause, menopause is just, you know how your birthday is one day, like we get one day. (laughs) With menopause, menopause has a birthday. It's one day and that day is a full year without menstruation, a full year without a bleed. But the journey into it can last years or can start years before that. So some of the research will say 10 years. Uh, A bulk of the research is really looking at the four to five years before we mark this birthday of our last um, cycle. So we've had this really familiar rhythm (laughs) Uh, during our cycle years you know we have become quite intimate with this very predictable rhythm of our body and then wham (laughs) actually just woke Hank up (laughs) when I did that Uh, the body takes on new rhythms or sometimes she ain't even have a rhythm and that's the really frustrating thing Uh, I know a few of the women that I'm working with currently are going through perimenopause, more late stage perimenopause. 
And the thing that they found the hardest is the lack of predictability. So the lack of rhythm. And it doesn't feel, their body doesn't feel familiar. Uh, and that's, that's a really scary and frustrating thing. And, you know, I've experienced this through injury, uh, where you feel this disconnection from the body. And we, we ain't a fan of um, things not being predictable, <laughs> things not feeling familiar. Uh, and I think the really frustrating thing, you know, as we get into our late 40s and go through this transition is that things don't feel familiar. Things feel really different. Uh, our body feels really different. Um, you know, our gut, our mood, our mind. Uh, and so it can be a really scary time for a lot of women. I have mentioned a book that I'm currently reading called Up to Speed and it's a fantastic book. I highly recommend it. I'm about halfway through and uh, this book is talking about the research and the science but behind females and female athletes in particular. So for a long time, as I've said before, we weren't very well studied uh, and then in big I guess seasonal shifts in our lives there was there was a big scarcity of research so for example like pregnancy and postpartum um, menopause but in recent years scientists have really started to put a lens on women going through perimenopause and menopause and they've really started to piece together I guess it was a bit of a puzzle uh, for a long time. And I think, you know, if I, I think about it, a lot of women, they feel like their body is a puzzle, like they've got this 10,000 piece puzzle in front of them and they, you know, they don't really know where to start or what to do or they have started it many times, but it, they just don't feel like they have a plan or a strategy to you know attack this 10,000 piece puzzle even more so I think when we go through these big um, shifts these big seasonal uh, changes in our lives so scientists have started to piece together and they are starting to understand how our aerobic fitness our body composition and our strength and our metabolic health all change with age and then what we can do to mitigate those changes. So the physiological shifts that happen are due to a combination of factors uh, and some are actually just age related. <laughs> so they're happening to all of us uh, no matter what sex we are. And then some are very specific to menopause. So our aerobic fitness actually just decreases with age, regardless of sex. And it's a really important thing to look at and improve uh, as we're aging. So this is where we talk about, uh, you know, zone two or improving our aerobic capacity or baseline and then also bringing in the conversation of anaerobic work so true high intensity interval training or sprint interval training to 
uh, improve our aerobic capacity. Then we've got body composition changes that do or can naturally happen as we age as well. So there is a natural loss of lean tissue mass and an increase in fat mass. And one of the reasons is that, well, what they say in the research, it's because we have a lower resting metabolic rate. We expend less energy during the day. So as we age, we actually are less active uh, and we don't actually train as much. So there's a drop off in exercise uh, participation as we age. And, you know, I think when we're looking at the this idea of a lower resting metabolic rate, it's really linked to loss of lean muscle mass. And so that's why one of the primary goals uh, as we, well, just in our whole life, (laughs) even in our 20s and 30s and 40s, but especially as we age, is to uh, maintain as much lean muscle as we can. I've spoken before about how one of my goals in life is to build as much muscle as I can so I can come into my 40s and 50s uh, as strong and as metabolically, I guess, strong or flexible uh, as possible. Plus, uh, the body can become a little bit more insulin resistant due to falling estrogen levels. So they talk about this a lot in the research, how when we get this shift, this change in ratio of hormones, it can actually affect our blood sugar control. So we can no longer process carbohydrates as efficiently, which can lead to an accumulation of fat around the midsection and some wild blood sugar stuff uh, can go on. So some of the other consequences of these changing hormone levels, so this loss of estrogen and testosterone even, it shifts the balance towards muscle loss rather than muscle building or muscle gain. And the body now really disassembles muscle proteins faster than it creates it. And this is, you know, seen as like catabolism or breaking down. And so that's why it's really important that we're eating enough, eating enough protein, timing um, that protein intake around our training, we're strength training, we're building muscle because of what's going on in the background uh, as this shift uh, happens towards uh, breakdown and loss and disassembling. Uh, which doesn't sound very good, does it? Uh, But the cool thing is, is that we can actually put in certain strategies and a plan to really help a woman or to help you move through this phase, uh, I guess, as well prepared, as equipped uh, and as best as you can. So what we really find as we're going through this transition is that the body just doesn't respond to training and nutrition like it did during our 30s, our 20s and 30s, uh, even our early 40s. And that becomes really frustrating. So a lot of women will 
try more, push harder, do more, eat less, really to to shift this uh, big body composition change that they're seeing, especially through the midsection. But that approach doesn't actually help. What it does is it fires up um, our cortisol even more. And we actually have higher levels of baseline cortisol as we're entering this uh, new season of our life. And then some women can have this hot, long list of symptoms that they are experiencing through this transition that makes it a hot, hard time, literally. So we've got hot flashes, um, disturbances in sleep, body composition changes, mood changes, uh, dryness, uh, so vaginal dryness, brain fog, fatigue, uh, blood sugar, uh, regulation stuff. She's a hot fun time, as I, as I always say. But with a lot of this stuff, if we can come into this season uh, metabolically stronger, muscled up, uh, more resilient to stress, we're going to have a hell of a lot of a easier time than if we weren't. So I often get asked about uh, hormonal replacement and I'm actually going to get someone on to come and do a podcast on HRT uh, and bioidentical hormones. When would we use them? Why would we use them? Uh, the, the current research and science behind it. But I do know that in perimenopause and menopause, there is minimal data to support using hormones over exercise to mitigate muscle loss and fat gain. So that I do know. Uh, and I'm not as well versed when it comes to all of the other symptomology and uh, using hormones to actually support uh, a woman's experience or to mitigate or lessen uh, the severity of some of the hormones. So I'm, I've, I've got someone in mind. I've thrown an invitation to her. Uh, and so I'm just waiting to hear back from her. And it will be a really cool conversation. I want to talk about uh, hormones, hormone replacement therapy, bioidentical hormones. I also want to talk about blood tests, uh, the blood tests you get from your doctor, other types of hormonal tests, uh, you know, the when we would do them and why, how to read them. Uh, and so I think it's going to be a really, really cool podcast conversation. So what do we do? Uh, as I've said, I've spoken about it in previous podcast episodes. Dr. Stacey Sims has also spoken about it on the podcast we did together. But basically, we want to prepare our bodies as well as we can entering our 40s. Uh, we want to build as much muscle as we can. We want to be metabolically really strong. We want to train high and train low. Uh, and so we're hitting those, you know, lifting heavy weights, uh, learning how to lift properly, uh, sprinkling in hit work and plyometric work. Now, I often get asked, what if uh, you're an endurance runner? What if endurance is your sport? It's your passion. And a lot of women get worried uh, be 
because they're hearing now don't you know don't play in the middle don't train in the middle don't do any of this moderate intensity um, type work don't do a lot of volume don't do a lot of endurance work and what I'll say is that the strength training really is a must I believe for every woman we need to strength train uh, to build muscle, to support our metabolism, uh, to help our bones, to help us age in a body that will be strong and capable, capable and resilient and carry us through our life on our own terms. Now, then we can sprinkle in some hit work or if you're an endurance uh, runner, what you can do is you can replace a couple of your longer or moderate runs with hit or sit style sessions along with plyometric work. So we don't need to replace, you know, your first love. I talk about, you know, training being a great love affair and if one of, if your great love affair is running, doing marathons, if you're an ultra, uh, if you're a cyclist, an endurance athlete or a woman who recreationally does endurance sports, it doesn't mean you have to give up that great love. What it means is that we want to definitely add in strength training. So go and lift weights at least two times a week. Uh, if you can, three. And then you want to look at, could I actually replace some of my moderate intensity or moderate distance runs or rides with sit sessions and plyometric work? Because uh, hip work and sit work and plyo work and even strength work actually helps you build more muscle, which can help produce more power and it can help you in your endurance sport. And then we really want to prioritize recovery uh, in, well, all of the time. <laughs> uh, but particularly in this phase or season of our life, it can take us a little longer to recover. Uh, and so we really want to make sure that we are fueling well. So eating enough, particularly eating enough protein and we are recovering well because just like in our menstrual cycle years, how well you fuel yourself and recover and how well you train as in training properly, being on a proper program, training high, training low has a bigger impact on your training than these changing hormones. Yes, you know, the physiology is changing, the hormones are changing, that can impact how we feel, it can impact our response to a lot of things just like uh, in our menstrual cycle years. But I think sometimes, you know, there's a lot of emphasis, there's a lot of spotlight placed on these changing hormones. And I think if we, and that gives, I think that gives women this like feeling of hopelessness. Whereas if we shift, uh, kind of shift the story to actually, if you build your foundation, if you learn how to nourish yourself properly 
and eat enough protein and manage your stress and get enough sleep and get sunlight and, you know, all of these things that I talk about in building a foundation, those things are so powerful uh, when it comes to, you know, how we feel, how we're going to go through this transition, how, can, how it can affect our training. So just remember that how well you feel yourself and recover will have a bigger impact on your training than these changing hormones. Not saying that they don't play a big role, they totally do. And again, every woman is different. Uh, Her experience through this uh, can be different. So some women have a really hard time. Others just (laughs) kind of breeze on by. But what I have seen is that if you have a strong foundation in your 20s, 30s, and even your early 40s, uh, you're going to come into this time much better prepared uh, and potentially have an easier time. Now, what if you've already been through menopause? You're on the other side. <laughs> uh, a lot of the symptom stuff does um, is transient and will resolve uh, once you've gone through this transition. However, there are some things that stick around. And one of the biggest things for women is the body composition change that really started to come on in those four or five years prior to menopause. And now a lot of women, you know, in their early to mid 50s uh, are in a different body, in a different body composition. And they, you know, they want to change that. And they often ask, okay, well, what do I do if I'm already through it? Like the spotlight is very much on perimenopause and this five to seven years before We get to menopause, but what if we're already post? Like, help us. Really, the approach is the same. Uh, That, you know, you want to be looking at your foundation, looking at your nutrition. Uh, Are you eating enough? Uh, What are your macronutrients doing? What's your protein doing? Uh, What is, you know, what's your cortisol doing? Your... Uh, stress management, your sleep, uh, what does your training look like? So are you training at top end and then training low end? Or are you still spending a lot of time in the middle where actually that, you know, is increasing cortisol levels and doesn't actually support the body composition changes that you want? And so if you are post, we want to take the same approach. We want to try and get ourselves as metabolically strong as possible. You can still build muscle even post-menopause. Sure, it's a little harder. Uh, You definitely want to delay uh, any more lean muscle mass loss. I actually have a friend, she's a physio in Australia and she does bone density classes And she's working with women who are in their 60s, 70s, 80s. And these women are actually even improving their bone mineral density through lifting and jumping in their 70s and 80s, which is so cool because previously we thought that that wasn't possible. So basically what I'm saying is that it's never too late. (laughs) Sure, it can be a little harder. Uh, We don't have the, you know, the stimulus of some of those hormones 
but this would be a great time to make sure that you, you know, you have a good team around you. Potentially you might need to look at vitamins and minerals. You know, are you in a depleted state? What's your nutrition doing? What's your training look like? You might need to get on a proper training plan. Uh, and you may need to look into some hormonal support depending on, uh, depending on your your own experience and what's going on in your body. Okay, if you want to dive deeper into how hormones can affect us in our 40s, 50s and beyond, make sure you whack uh, all of those other podcast episodes in your ears. Uh, check out Dr. Stacy Sims' work. She's got two really cool courses. She's got a lot of micro learnings as well. Uh, and yeah, thanks for listening to this three-part series. It was a fun one to do. I really enjoyed it. And hopefully that, uh, that helped you when it comes to thinking about how you want to plan your training for whatever season you're in in your life. And if you do need more support with this, I highly recommend that you come and check out Warrior School. So Warrior School is my online individualized and group coaching program for women. Most of the women that I work with are in their 40s, uh, late 30s, 40s and early 50s. And inside of Warrior School, all of the women are on the individualized training programs. Uh, and so I'm helping them get more energy in, build insane strength and create the body they love no matter what season they are in in their life so they can live confidently ever after. All right, Warrior Woman, it was great to spend this time with you. I've got some really cool um, episodes coming up. Uh, we're going to talk about do we really need to walk? 10,000 steps a day. Uh, I'm going to talk about constipation. Um, what else? Oh, I'm going to talk about breast health and the perfect sports bra, which will be a really fun uh, podcast episode. And then I think we're almost going to be there. We're almost going to be at 200. And really, I think that will just be a episode where we celebrate. <laughs> we have a party. Uh, uh, I might even do a live one. That would be really cool. Um, a live episode 200. I don't really know how to do that, but uh, <laughs> just to celebrate uh, us and this sprint. Okay, I hope you have a great day and I will see you soon. Bye for now. Warrior Woman, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't, please give the podcast some love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another warrior woman. Also, if you want to go crazy, I'd love if you wrote a review for the Warrior School podcast. And also share and tag me with your biggest takeaways for the episode on the gram. Okay, Warrior Woman, have a great week in training. Bye for now.